Hello everyone and welcome to episode 113 of the Talking Fitball podcast. My name's Derek Clark and each week we try and bring you an in-depth interview with some of the most colourful and engaging characters involved in the game. This week I had the pleasure of chatting to one of Scottish football's much-loved goalies, John Hillcoat. As expected, John's in cracking form as he looks back on his time between the sticks. He's got stories galore from each of his former 15 clubs. He also tells us about his Sunday Mail column and what he's getting up to nowadays. So sit back and enjoy the latest episode of the Talking Fitball podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Football Podcast. I'm delighted to say we're joined this week by much-loved, much-travelled goalkeeper John Hillcoat. John, how are we doing? I'm absolutely brilliant, Derek. Thanks very much for asking me on. I really, really appreciate it. Oh no, it's, it's great to have you on. What, what a career. Plenty of stories, I'd imagine, John, as, as well. Um, before we begin, and I know coronavirus, we're sort of coming out the end of it. Um, yeah. You... And your family, what have you? You you've been okay, or have you been affected by it all? Well, ah, there's been a, you know, there's been a couple of people who have sadly lost their lives. Uh, however, the majority of people have, you know, worked on and and uh, basically just went up, you know, just uh, got about their business and 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 uh, and got through it really. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only thing you can do. Hopefully, we're, Absolutely. we're nearing the end of it. Um, your career then, John, uh, playing football, growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did you always want to be a goalie? I did actually, aye, which was pretty weird because it used to be it was a wee fat kid to get thrown in goals. <laughs> so you know, I was never fat. I was a wee skinny runt. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I was always drawn to being a goalkeeper for some bizarre reason because it didn't really run in my family as such. You know, my dad played a wee bit, you know, when he was in school, etc. But, you know, I uh, I just basically wanted to be a goalkeeper and that was it. You know, there was no any, you know, oh, no, I fancy being a left back or anything like that. There was nothing like that at all, you know. Yeah. As soon as I can remember, uh, as far as back as I can remember, you know, I had the, it was all gardening gloves on that you used to get, you know, and the, like with the, with the waffle, <laughs> Uh, like grips on it, you know, like the table tennis back grips and stuff like that. So that was uh, that's that was me growing up, you know. Always wanted to be a goalie. Yeah. Did, did you have any? Was there any goalies that you, you maybe watched in telly or something that you went, oh, I want to be like him, sort of thing? Probably, probably not. Actually, it was just one of the things that you know I just got into. You know, uh, when I was growing up, I grew up in Linwood, uh, and I've got four sisters and a brother, and my dad was a Janny, so he was a Janny at Linwood High School. And it was pretty, it was pretty good because it was pissing the rain and stuff like that. You know, we could get in the gyms and we could get a game of five or six going and stuff like that. And I got the mat suit and we would do all that kind of stuff. And I was always drawn to be in the goals. And I was small and I still am fairly small for a uh, for a goal at the moment. But you know, it was uh, I, I just I just loved it. I just yeah. absolutely loved it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So did you I guess you played with the school and that sort of stuff growing up? Well, my primary school was East Fulton, and yeah. it's funny because I was talking to my first football manager the other day. It was a woman called Flora Smiley, and uh, she she ran the football team. It was always it was always the PE teacher or it was the Janny yeah. that ran the school teams when I was uh, kind of growing up. And it was Missy Smiley uh, that got the team up and running. And you know, it was one of the times where you would play all the local clubs and. Uh, sorry, all the schools and you would get beat 15, 20, nothing and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> but 
it was on the gravel on the on the black uh, blaze or the red blaze and stuff, and you went back with your knees all skint and you know your man uh, threw you in the bath of the devil in the bath and you know uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, all the stuff you can't remember, Derek. You're probably too young for that, mate. No, no, I remember playing the black ash and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I, 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 play, I played as a goalie myself at the school. Oh, is that played, right? Played on the ash, but um, I think I had a tantrum one time because I wanted to score goals, and that was my goalie career. Uh, and that was you done. <laughs> aye, aye, absolutely brilliant. So that was it. So he's Fulton, uh, and then I went to the boys' brigade, and again it was a Ludwood thing, and again it was a pumping every week. You're playing in the big goals, it's pushing the rain, and yeah. you know you get puddles in the middle of the goal, and you know, you're getting beat 15, 20 nothing, stuff like that. But it's a good grounding, you know. That's the way I look at it. You know, for if you're going to if you're going to go on and and play the game at any kind of level, then I think it's important, it's imperative that you that you actually. You know, you've got to experience that kind of stuff. Because the kids nowadays do not, they just do not experience that. Yeah. Uh, started at St Mirren as a, a YTS in 87, John. Was that, was that your team growing up? Uh, based in- well, well, when I was a boy, uh, my, own, uh, my brother-in-law, Matthew, used to take me to Ibrox, used to take me to Rangers yeah. and uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. And I can remember going to Ibrox and it was just when the old stadium was was away and it was a it was a new one getting built. Yeah. And I could and the first things I can remember was walking into the stadium and the colours, you know, this the, yeah. the stands and and the smell of the like bovrols and pies and stuff like that. And you know, it was a it was it was something that I've never really experienced before. You know, got to like watching a game under the lights and uh, and really enjoying it. Yeah. You know, uh, but I grew up as they say, you know, and obviously you get the Rangers and Celtic thing, you know, the bigotry, especially, you know, in the west of Scotland. Yeah. And I grew up and became an adult, you know, and and I now support St. Nun. So that's my club. So it was quite fortunate when I did become an adult, 16, 17 year old, that uh, that, that was my first club. Yeah. And of course, that, that year you joined it, they won the Scottish Cup, didn't they? They did. When you scored in, that must have... What was it like in and around the club at that point? It must be, it must have been quite good. Well, I left straight for school, and in that time, my boys' club was ran through Waverley. It was a really, really good, staunch boys' club, and there was a lot of players at that time who were signing S for them for Celtic and Rangers and Aberdeen and all these clubs. And I was a late developer, uh, and I never actually trained with any senior club when I was growing up. And Campbell Money, who was the first team goal at the time. He invited me, he came to train Renfrew Waverley and invited me to Love Street to train on a Monday night. And it was no days when, you know, called the old Rangers or Celtic end. And there was a big bit of grass at the end of it. And myself and Craig Nelson, who went on to play for Airdrie and Harps and these yeah, clubs yeah. had a really, really good career. And the two of us used to go there on a Monday night and Campbell used to absolutely batter us to the point that we were spewing up, you know. <laughs> and that was, that was the olden days, you know. And, uh, and it came to a point when Alex Smith, who was the manager, he says, look, we need a young goalie. You know, we're going to bring a goalie on in the YTS. And so, Campbell, it's your choice, basically. So it was between myself and Nelly. And Nelly was bigger than me and was more developed, etc. cetera. Uh, just in some ways, no, obviously, other ways. But <laughs> he he went to Airdrie and I was, I, uh, and Campbell took me to St. Nun. And I can remember my first training session was with uh, the first team because I think one of the goalies was injured. Yeah. And 
in the days we went to Pastorain and we went to Linwood Sports Centre and it was the old AstroTurf that it was like you know, like the hockey st- uh, like the hockey fields nowadays you yeah. know it was brick hard and you had guys like Ian Ferguson Frank McGarvey Tony Fitzpatrick uh, Brian Gallagher all shooting you know into you and you say to yourself Christ I've just left school two weeks ago <laughs> do you know what I mean and now I'm in in this situation yeah. so that was a that was a bit of fortune because it was a YTS in the days and I think my first wage was 24 quid a week or something Wow. and but I felt you know I felt really really proud to go and play for my local club and we and in the days it was the reserve league and yeah. you had obviously the first team but we can go and talk about the reserve league and stuff like that later on if you want uh, but it was a great upbringing there's absolutely no doubt about it. In the days, it was very much so an apprenticeship. And then, but what I mean by that is the first team dressing room was sacrosanct. To get into the first team dressing room, you had to kind of earn your stripes, if you like. Yeah. So it's not like nowadays and the like the young boys have not had that that uh, apprenticeship that they can, you know, they can appreciate to get into the first team dressing room. But in the days we had to chop the front door in the dressing room and then Somebody would shout, come in, and then you would walk in, and then you would get absolutely battered, getting <laughs> stuff thrown at you, like boots thrown at you, and get absolute pelters, you know? But uh, it was it was a good upbringing. Some people would probably say nowadays, you know, the PC world that we stay in now, that yeah. there's a lot of bullying going on there. But I don't look at it like that. I looked at it as as a as a good bit of grounding that, that saw me through my career. Yeah. And to transfer the skills that you learned back then, into your adult life these days, you know, I think it, I think it was, uh, I think it was really important to actually experience that. Yeah. So, so you, were you cleaning players' boots and that sort of stuff, cleaning the stands. Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, we used to. It was great when Celtic Rangers came to, came to Love Street because they, the, the Rangers Celtic end was packed. Yeah. And then on the Monday morning we had to then go and clean the stand. And honestly, you want to see the stuff you found. You found wedding rings. You found money. You found. Scud mags, you find all sorts of stuff, Derek. Honestly, it was great, man. They never saw us for four days after the game. <laughs> all the young boys, <laughs> but uh, it was oh, the stuff that you found was was incredible, you know. Yeah. And again, it was it was a it was a great upbringing. Yeah. See, when you're there, um, Joe, it's a, was there any such thing as like a goalie coach, or was it just a case of getting shots fired into you and that sort of stuff? Aye, well, Campbell was very, very good. So he was he was mid twenties at that time, Uh and he he took me under his wing to the point now, back what's that thirty eight years ago or whatever it is, I'm fifty kind of thing. (laughs) Aye, I I now call him Feather, you know, because he's got that kind of influence on me, and he's and he's always had that influence on me right throughout my life. So he was very, very good at the coaching, and he was probably a wee bit more. It was probably before his time with regards to technique and you know how you you know your shape and how you caught the ball, etc. You know, so it came natural to him. The coaching side of it came natural to him. Yeah. Uh, and tying that in with him being a top class goalie, you know, it was uh, it was it was a really, really good experience. Yeah. So see, you're talking about reserve. Were you playing reserve uh, fixtures for, for St. Mirren before you moved to Dunfermline? Well, I we got our odd reserve games because that times the Premier uh, the Premier Reserve League and it was a right good standard, yeah. you know, because 
Rangers could come to Love Street and the first team are at Ibrox and the reserves come to Love yeah. Street and you can find people like maybe Graham Souness in the team. You know, you had uh, Terry Hurlock. You had all these guys, yeah. you know, and you're 17, 18 year old, cutting your teeth against yeah. experienced pros, you know, international players. Yeah. You know, I can remember playing against Tony Cascarino stuff like that in the reserves when I was younger. Yeah. And, he, and he was a, a he was an Irish international at that time. Yeah. You know, Paul McStay and these guys. So it was a brilliant experience for young kids who had the opportunity to play in the Premier Reserve League. Uh, so that, again, was a great grounding. But we never really got a lot of games. So what the club did at that time, they, they farmed us out to the local club, which is Glenifer Thistle. So there was five or sixes went to Glenifer Thistle to play on a Saturday. And then if you were needed for the stiffs on a Saturday afternoon, then you would just then get brought in for that yeah. game. So it was a pretty good, it was a good wee system that the club had up and running. So it was almost like the third team, yeah. you know, because they never had that bigger first team squad. Maybe had your 15, 16 first team players and then four or five who were reserves and then the rest was kind of young boys. You know, so it was a good, it was a good, uh, it was a good transition, and in the first team, if you could make it. Yeah, so I mean, local boy there joining, coming through the ranks. What, what made you move over to to Fife and, and joined in Fern in '89? Was it you joined them? 1989. Yeah. Uh, again, just to touch back on the Scottish Cup that time when St. Mirren played in in uh, in the May 1987. Yeah. I was a young boy at the time, so I had to pack the strips and do the boots, and you know, had to do everything pack all the hampers because the first team went to uh, down to Sea Mill. So we were down there for four or five days and yeah. I was left in the stadium myself to make sure that everything was right. And I can remember they were getting a few quids. I remember getting uh, a few quid from Adidas at that time. So everything had to be Adidas, the strips and the boots and yeah. Campbell's goalie gloves, everything had to be Adidas. Uh, Campbell never wore Adidas that day, by the way. But Kenny McDowell at the time was sponsored by Puma. He was only the, uh, the first team player that had a had a sponsor with yeah. another boot uh, designer. So I said to Kenny, look, Kenny, the gaffer, Alex Smith, has said to me that I'm going to have to get a, a big tub of uh, tipex, white tipex, and I had to tipex <laughs> all the stripes for the boots to, so that they stood out on the camera. And so I said to Kenny, look, Kenny, what are we going to do? You've got Puma. He said, uh, I said, the gaffer's told me to blacken out your... Uh, your Puma stripe and paint three Adidas stripes on it. And he went, don't you effing, don't you dare, because I'm getting a few quid for Puma. And I went, right, okay. So I didn't, I didn't do it. And I thought, I'm going to get absolute pelters for this. But I think, you know, the way the game went, uh, it got forgot about, which yeah. was great, you know. But uh, that was one of the things that you go, Christ. Did you get to go your hand in, John? Well, that day we had a game with Glenn for Thistle, which is unfortunate. Uh, yeah. But the night when the bus... They, they toured Paisley. The place was rammed. There were 50,000 people yeah. there. And then they went back to the, the Excelsior Hotel for yeah. their do. So I went to that and I had my gilt-edged suit. You know, remember they kind of grey, kind of shiny grey suits on? So I had one of them and I sat at the table with some of the other younger boys who was like George Shaw. Obviously, Paul Lambert, he played as well. Yeah. Uh, but with guys like George Shaw, Eddie Kerr, Paul Lambert, John Butler. So I was in their table and all the boys went into, into Paisley, all the first team guys. Now, I was only 16, 17 at the time. Uh, still had hair. And uh, they all left, and Alex Smith 
Eddie Delette is going to Paisley because we're too young. So I just sit in there like absolute lemons, you know, uh, where all the boys were out getting pissed. So, but no, it was brilliant. It was a, it was a brilliant experience. And then the day after that, again, it was the bus went round the stadium and the place was rammed Sunday morning. Uh, and I was I was very, very fortunate enough to get on on the bus. That was a yeah. great experience as well. And then the first team went to Singapore to go and play in a, in a tournament over there. And I, I, I don't know how long they were over there for, but that was the last time that that game, the Scottish Cup final, was the last time that it, that, that any team uh, was full of all Scottish players that won the Scottish Cup. And unfortunately, nice? I and unfortunately, it was the last time that that team actually played together. Because Derek Hamilton, who played left back, he snapped his Achilles shortly after that. Yeah, and the team then just uh, disbanded for there. Yeah. So it was it was it was unfortunate, you know. But it was great times at Simon. I loved it, yeah. absolutely loved it. Yeah, most definitely. So uh, I mean, you go to Dunfermline. Yeah. Um, did they? What, what was the reasoning behind that 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 move, John? Why, why did you go over there? Was it uh, more of well, a weekend with the team first team? Not well. I I that was a that was a carrot for me because I was thinking it myself. I was third choice at Simon. I was becoming 18, 19 year old. It was Campbell was the first team goalie. Les Fridge was the reserve goalie. And there was talk about Campbell moving to West Ham and Aberdeen in yeah. these clubs. Uh, so I was kind of in two minds. I'd signed a contract with Sitman, and but it wasn't registered, which I found out, which I didn't know. So it wasn't registered with the SFA. So we went, I, I don't know if you remember this either, but the young players, all the young players from the Central Belt used to go down to Largs every year and we would do the, we would be the runners for the senior players who were doing their B licence and C licence and A licence, stuff like that. And again, it was, a, it was a brilliant place to be because everybody who was everybody was down there getting their badges. So it opened up, it was a great network for younger players and for actually senior players, because I remember a lot of players getting moves on the back of that because yeah. of the network that you had with senior uh, managers, etc. at that time. And Jim Leishman was down there. He was doing his, I think it was his A licence, was doing it at the time. Yeah. And that was in his group. And he said at that time, I think he said to somebody else who then said to me, you know, that young boy, that'd be really, really good to get him confirming. So that's basically how, they, how it uh, materialised. Yeah. Ian Monroe then phoned me and said, look, what's the drill? We're looking for a young goalie. They'd just been promoted into the, into the Premier League. That was the years when Dunfermline just went right up the, the leagues for the bottom league, second division back then, straight yeah. up into the Premiership. I think they took a wee dip and then went back up again. Yeah. So that was in uh, July 89. And I went and met Ian Monroe in, in Glasgow and I signed a contract. That was about 120 quid a week or something, but... You know that was a that was a lot of money for me at that time, yeah. but it wasn't obviously signing for any kind of money because that's pish money, right? In this day and age, but it was the opportunity to maybe yeah. go and play, you know, at, uh, Premier Reserve League football, yeah. and then and then you know see if you can catapult your career for there. And Campbell wasn't happy because he was at America at that time, and he came back and I'd signed for some uh, for Fairman, and I hadn't consulted him. And he was raging. He still brings it up to this day. He <laughs> bastard, you know. You <laughs> you went and signed uh, when I wasn't there. So I says, "Well, you weren't here. What are you meant to do?" Uh, so it was great. It was it was good. Signed a two year contract for them. Fairman. That was the first time I had left home 
And yeah. I went and stayed in digs with a couple of other young, young guys who had signed at that time. And uh, you basically became, you know, you were in the first team dressing room. It was That was that step I was talking about earlier. You know, you go from, you know, Aye, in, the, in the away dressing room into a first team dressing room. And then it's how you handle it and then how you actually present yourself within that. Yeah. Uh, but our reserve team at that time, it was the first time we were in the Premier Reserves. They had good individual players. First team were doing brilliant. But the stiffs, we used to get pumped five and six nil every week. You were going to Selic Park and getting pumped five and six nil. And yeah. uh, you know, but it was again, it was it was one of them that you that you really enjoyed doing because yeah. you knew that it was going to make you a better person. Yeah. What, what was Jim Leishman like? I mean, we had we had him on a few weeks ago. He's a large Aye. life character, isn't he? What what was he like to play for? I <laughs> big leash. He's, <laughs> uh, I didn't really know him, right? I didn't know of him. Uh, I knew of him, obviously, but I didn't, Aye. you know, know what he was going to be like. So I can remember he picked me up. We used to train in a place called Eagle Glen. I think Dunfermline were one of the first teams I ever had a had a training centre, if you like. Yeah. So, so we never went to East End Park. We went to Eagle Glen. And I can remember us driving up. Uh, we came out of East End Park, down the Hillbeath Road, and he had his name on the side of a car. It was a sponsored car he had. And he was driving up the road and these guys were hanging out the car, you know, bound him, shouting leashmen. I was like, oh, fucking hell. I thought it was Freddie Boswell at the time. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of then knew, you know, once I get to new, uh, know people in Dunfermline and, and uh, how, big a, how big a name that he really, really was and what he had actually done for the club. It was absolutely sensational. Yeah. Uh, I can remember the first, after my first season, he took me into his office and he said to me, how do you think you've done this year? And I says, well, I, I think I've did okay. It was my first season in Premier Reserves. And with that Fife accent, I'm not going to put one. Well, I'm going to put one on right, but it's not a Welsh accent, it's a Fife one. He went, 100 goals you've lot in. You've lot in 100 goals this year. How the fuck did you have done well? I was like, well, when you put it that way, you go for it, I suppose. Uh, but he said, uh, <laughs> well, for that, he says, well, I think you've done well. And we're going to take me to Tenerife. So the first team boys, because they stayed up that year, first team boys chipped in, you know, a few quid. And they took me to Tenerife with them. It was absolutely brilliant. Oh. And, I got a, and I got a new contract. I think I got a two-year contract again. I think it was 20 quid a week rise or something. And and how we based it on, I can remember sitting in his office again. And he said to me, right, we're going to offer a new deal. He says, but it's going to be based on how many how many lasses you've been with in the tune. <laughs> and I went, I went Gaffer, eh, no, I know that many, you know that. He's like, right, that's all a year contract then, right? And it was just banter that way, you know. So he based on how many lasses you've been with in Dunfermline. Absolutely brilliant. So I got a 10 year contract for, eh, contract for that. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> See, the, the, the goal, uh, Ian Westwater would have been there, wouldn't he? Um, he's another one we had on uh, a wee while ago. Uh, West, was there. Uh, what was he like? West is a great guy. Yeah. He's the fittest goalie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, really? Wow. Because goalies are just, they can't run, right? As everybody knows. They can't <laughs> run. Good at doing the anaerobic stuff, you know, the short, sharp drills and that. Big, big West, he could run. You know, yeah. he was like Forrest Gump. Unbelievable. So he was always up the front uh, and I was always at the back. But, you know, it was like, uh, like a couple of bookends, he was always there and I was always there and we yeah. kept the pack together. And there was always a marker for some of uh, the slower players because if I overtook them then, they were going to get the boss kicked, quite frankly. Yeah. 
So, but no, Big Wessie was a brilliant goalie as well. He was absolutely, you know, great worker, probably one of the best workers that I've worked with. And again, he was a really, really good uh, senior influence in my career. Yeah. Because there was times when you're coming in after a, after a game and you've just lost five or six and you're getting pelters. And, but he was always a really kind of calming influence. He was a great guy. Yeah. Can you remember making your, your debut there? I do. I That was against St Mirren. And Big Lindsay was the goalie. Big Lindsay Hamilton was the goalie. And we played Stennis Muir on the Tuesday, Tuesday night. And Big Lindsay threw one in, I think. And I can remember Jockey Scott was the manager at the time. I can remember getting on Pelters for the side. And Big Davy Moyes was it. He was playing in the game. Yeah. And he said to me on the Thursday, he says, look, go and chat the gaffer's door on Friday and just open the door. Don't engage in any conversation. Just say, gaffer, if you need me for Saturday, then I'm ready to play. And Jockey Scott just looked up and says, all right, son, thanks for that. And I shut the door. And then I made my debut on the Saturday. So that was a really, really good bit of advice that Big Moisey gave me. Yeah. Uh, and we played against St Mirren. And we could beat two one, but I, but I, I was I was happy with my performance. I remember Campbell was a coach at that time. Yeah. And then the days at East End Park, you can run down the wee, uh, stairs, and Campbell says, "Look, I hope you have a blinder, but I hope you can beat one 0 yeah. So I was like, "I feel those." I, I understood the reasons why he was saying that, and understood the rationale of him saying that to me because Aye. obviously he was still a similar man, but he didn't want me to, you know, to uh, he just wanted me to do well, which was great. Yeah, but you, you bit and going into your debut and all that, being a, a young guy, John, were you sort of intimidated or do you just take it in your stride? Do you no, feel you were ready for it? I, I, I did. I did yeah. think I was ready for it because <clears throat> Andy Rhodes was there as well. Andy Rhodes was a goalie. I can't remember what happened to Rhodesy. I don't know if he was injured or no, no he had left to go to St Johnston. I'm pretty sure Rhodesy had left. So again, he was a brilliant goalie. He's actually probably one of the best short stoppers that I've ever worked with. Roger was frightening. Aye. Uh, very dramatic goalkeeper, but unbelievable short stopper to yeah. the point that he's, you know, he's probably one of the best that I've ever saw or, or, uh, or ever worked with. So Roger had moved on. Big Westy had moved to Falkirk, I think, and Lindsay was there. He came to St Johnston and I think a couple of other players came. I can't remember who it was at the time. But anyway, Lindsay, he got dropped. But I was ready. I felt within myself I was physically ready and I was yeah. mentally ready because I can remember there was maybe about a year before that uh, there was there was touch you know I was maybe going to make my debut against Dundee uh, United at East End but I didn't feel ready at that time because I didn't feel physically strong enough yeah. but I was on a, a like a, a weights programme etc and I then felt as if I was ready to play Aye See, see when you're acting firm, and of course, there was that fallout. Uh, Big Leishman left, um, the no takes over. Yeah. What, what was the feeling? Because we heard Westy said that there was a sort of bad atmosphere regarding it was. a board decision. Did you feel that as players as well? Is it? Ah, uh, you could feel it. Aye. Uh, and, and it was unfortunate because I think it created a divide Aye. between the players as well. And there was quite, there was quite a lot of cliques at that time. You yeah. had the guys from the West, you had like. You had Big Moisey, you had Scott Leach, uh, Eddie Cunnington, B. Billy Davis, yeah. and then, the, and then you had the boys for Dundee, uh, Ray Farmingham, Davy Irons, and these boys, and then you had the boys for Edinburgh and Fife, 
you know, so there was there was cliques. It was quite unfortunate. They were all great guys individually, yeah. but I felt that that had an effect on the performances on the pitch. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know if that's came for the for big leash and and the Monroe thing. I don't know, but <clears throat> definitely did have an effect. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I was all a young boy at the time, and even I felt that. Aye, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Isfan Cosma, how good was he? Yeah, the best. I have to I say. Think. Yeah, yeah. Aye, he was a he was a Hungarian international. I don't, I still don't know to this day how Don Ferman could get a guy like Isfan <laughs> Cosma. He signed because he was, you know what I mean? He, the guy was a wizard. Aye. So I can remember we were playing a practice game on the pitch. It was a I think it was a Tuesday afternoon or a Tuesday morning. And we were playing a practice game and we were waiting this guy, Yisban Cosma, coming for Edinburgh Airport, getting picked up. I think it was uh, Big, Big Jim Leishman's driver, a guy called Joke the Rollman, right, who would go and do Big Leishman's or his shit jobs. And he'd go, <laughs> so uh, he went and picked up uh, Yisban and he got changed and came into this game. And I think he scored about four goals within 20 minutes. You'll see, you'll see, oh, who's this guy? Aye. You know, I mean, there were some times when Midweek, this fan went about training and we'd say, Where's this fan? Ah, he's away playing against uh, Brazil or Sweden for, <laughs> for Hungary. Well, we were all running about putting uh, the training ground at Dunfermon and he's away, he's away <laughs> logging it. Do you know what I mean? Playing for Brazil, <laughs> playing against Sweden or something like that. It was great, you know, absolutely brilliant. Great for the fans as well. Ah, he was he was some player. Uh, George Boyle joined at the same time as well, didn't he? He was a cracking player, wasn't he? <clears throat> George was a great player as well. He signed for Marseille and great touch. Couldn't he run? He had a lot of injuries. His Achilles, he struggled with his Achilles, struggled with his knees. Uh, but what a player yeah. to the point that him and Ross Jack were the strikers at that time. And I think Ross Jack was one of the top goal scorers in, in the country, not just Scotland, yeah. in Britain. And me, George, hadn't scored any goals. Now, usually for, for, for fans in a club then, you know, to be the to be one of the strikers no score goals is you know you're getting the axe. But right. because he supplied, because he was so intelligent on the pitch and I'm stupid off the pitch, don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, he, he used to you know the service that he gave Ross Jack for Ross Jack to score the goals was uh, was frightening. Yeah. We used to share digs as well. Me and, and me George, and I could, I'd be sleeping in my bed, the pitch black. I could hear this grinding and I go what? what's going on and he used to grind his teeth when oh, he slept God. at night and it kept me up it was that loud that actually kept me up it drove me nuts but anyway that was George Boyle for you <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Bert, Bert, Bert and Dick comes in um, Aye. How, how did you find them John? I thought they were lovely guys don't get me wrong but I don't but Bert and, and Dick I respect them for being honest Aye. that's the way I looked at that yeah. Because they they made it clear that they wanted to bring their own guys in, and I had finished the season with Jockey Scott. I think we missed out in promotion with a point. We got beat with Cowden Beef at East End Park, and I think Kilmarnock won. But put them up, and we stayed in the. There was the first division, which was doing yeah. the championship, and that was Jockey's last game. And I had finished that season, and I'd finished it really, really strongly to the point that Jockey had had extended my contract, which was great. So, but he then left, him and Gordon Wallace, they left, and Bert and Dick came in. And again, Dick, uh, Bert took me into his office and said, you know, you finished the season, 
at the moment, it was me and Lindsay still. Yeah. At the moment, you're going to start the season. It was Falkirk. We're playing Falkirk at Brockville. He said, you're going to start the season. He says, uh, so get yourself fit through the games. And I wish he never told me that because I felt that because he had told me there was three or four pre-season games that we had to play. One was against Motherwell where David Cooper was playing. And I think we went to, I think we were up at Highlands for a pre-season tour. And I felt that I took my took my foot off the gas because I knew I was going to be starting the season. I so I made a bit of an arse it, to be honest. And yeah, but Bert had, had they told me that I wasn't starting, and then the team got read out at uh, Brockville and I wasn't playing. So I kind of knew that was the beginning of the end for my time at, at Dunfermline. I got back in again a few games, and I, again I felt I did all right. I think I got seven clean, I think I got four clean sheets in a row. You know, seven. And a cluster of 12 games, that kind of thing. Aye. Uh, but I knew that, you know, Bert was wanting to bring his own players in. And he brought in Big Westy. And Westy went straight into the team. Lindsay was then on the bench, which then meant I was surplus to, to requirements. And then that's when, I, I think I still had a year left of my contract. And we negotiated that that was me going to move on. Aye. Before we go to play, um, you mentioned their pre-season. Was was there any manager that that that, that was had the, the toughest pre-season that you, you endured that you, you, you hated, or is there anyone that sticks out at all? Every single pre-season, I can't run. Right? <laughs> Campbell Campbell used to say that it took me sixteen minutes to do a twelve-minute run. Right, that's how quick I am. Right? Uh, every single pre-season was a nightmare for me because. <clears throat> I felt it was important for goalies. It's not the same now because they get straight in and get the ball and stuff like that. But I felt it was important for goalies to do at least the two weeks running with the first team players because it gave you the base fitness that you could then move into your shorter, sharper drills with your handling, etc., and get your eye in when it came to crossing and finishing and all that. So we used to do those these uh, two weeks, but every single preseason I did was 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 horrendous. One that I did with Dumbarton in, in 2000, but we can come to that. And it was me, yeah. Jimmy Brown. He was the manager. And Tam Carlson, he was the assistant. And they took us to Faz Lane to training. Aye. So they took us in there and we get blue with these PTs. So we were up and down stairs. <laughs> we are up and down stairs with like tyres on my back and all that. And then they took us <laughs> into the pool. And, they, and I can hardly swim. <laughs> I can save my life. That's about it. And they took, me, and they took us into this pool. And they absolutely battered us in the pool. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my puff. Honestly, I swear to God. So that's probably the hardest pre-season I've done. Plus it was part-time. Uh, and, you know, because it was condensed into two or three nights a week. So it was... Uh, hold on, what's that say? I cancel that. Wait an hour. Aye. Uh, so, aye, probably that was the pre-season. But when you're full-time, I was full-time for 12 years. So I used to get really nervous before doing like the runs and I used to get the runs don't get me wrong um, <laughs> and, uh, but no pre-season wasn't for me I hated it yeah so you go to Clyde then was that Alex yeah. Smith was there wasn't he was that part of the reason you went there Alex Smith was there I it was the last day the transfer window I can remember we were it was about March time I think and again it was there was that negotiation about contract because I still had a year left in my contract with Dunfermline or a year and a half so I wasn't leaving for nothing because I was had to go and have to take a drop in wages to go to Clyde. Uh, 
and again, I go back to it. You know, again, it was a, it was, it was a really important move to try and get first team football to become a first team goalie, if you like. Yeah. And so, but I still couldn't leave myself high and dry. So I think I got a couple of quid from from Dunfermline, paid me up, and then I signed with with Clyde. And I think it was a uh, about two hours before the transfer deadline, and I signed it again. They were. That was a kind of strange setup because he just moved yeah. into Broadwood at that time. I think they were there the season before. And it was a kind of, you, you train two nights a week and you train two days a week. And I found it quite hard to adapt because yeah. you're going for full-time football, albeit it was still full-time, but the timing was different. Aye. And I kind of struggled with that. Uh, but it was a, it was a good, it was a good move. And there were really, really good players at that time as well. Uh, George McCluskey was there. Charlie Nicholas was there. You know, uh, there was loads, big Keith Knox, all these guys, you know, seasoned pros that were at the club at that time. And we, you know, I think we struggled. It was the championship. Again, I made my my, my debut for Clyde against St. Man. I think out of my 15 clubs, Derek, I think I probably made my debut against it, Mum, for about 12 of them, which is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely bizarre. But, uh, so we did that. Fridgey was there as well. So Alex Smith, obviously I knew him from my St. Mondays, and Fridgey was there, Les Fridge. And Fridgey being Fridgey, when he saw me walking in, he thought that he was on a move to Inter Milan. <laughs> that was just his... I wish I had his confidence, by the way, right? But that's what he thought. Oh, brilliant, right? I'm going to Inter Milan. Well, you're not really, right? Because the transfer window's shut. And I'm here to take your place, basically, you know. So uh, I was there for two years and had a really, really good time. Yeah. What, what was Charlie Nicholas like in and around the dressing room and that? He's a larger in life character, how many? Well, <clears throat> we couldn't believe it, right? Because we were struggling in the second division. Yeah. Teams coming to Broadwood, it was a, you know, you get your Stranraals and, you know, East Fife and all these, still in Albion. Really, really good, well-drilled teams coming to Broadwood. And you're thinking, right, they're getting a lift here because they're coming to a good stadium. You know, we were full-time, etc. So that gave them the added edge. But then when Charlie signed, yeah, again, that was another added edge because they were playing against Charlie Nicholas and guys like George McCluskey, as I said earlier. But it was, he was a brilliant pro, absolutely brilliant. Now, he could have been excused for coming to Clyde and just pissing about for a year and picking up money because I think I don't know the the ins and outs his contract, but he was on way obviously way more money than anybody at the club. Yeah. So, but he, what a professional! He was absolutely brilliant. He came to training every single day. He helped the young boys. He helped you on the pitch, and he was an absolute genius. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. You know, he was a uh, he was something special, and. And at that time, it raised the profile of oh, not yeah. only the club, but the ra- raised the profile of the players as well at that time. And he was responsible for, we played Rangers at Broadwood and it was live on Sky. And we got a lot of coverage throughout the week on that. Yeah. And me being the goalie at that time, I got quite a lot of coverage as well. And there was other players, Eddie Annan as well, who's a good, good pro, got a lot of coverage. Uh, <clears throat> but there's no danger that we'd have probably got that game live in Sky if it was there for Charlie because he was he was doing a co-com at that time 
Aye. for Sky as well. And so he got the cameras to us, and I was fortunate enough to get man of the match in that game. And so it raised my profile yeah. uh, to the point that, you know, people had saw you on the telly and kind of know what you can do for there. Uh, so, no, he was brilliant. He was a great addition to the club. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. After that, I guess you'll be, you, you'll be looking for a, a move to Edinburgh after, after, after that game, John. Ah, well, that's what you're thinking, isn't it? See, did you ever do you ever play at Shawfield before? Uh, do you ever play against Clyde at Shawfield? Aye, aye, I did. It was uh, I was playing with Dunfermline. I think it was a friendly, yeah. and we played at the Shawfield. I can remember the pitch being brilliant for some reason. Yeah, it was that, you know it was like a bowling green, uh-huh. but uh, I can't remember that much about it, Derek. Aye. You know, I can't really remember going there or anything. I went there. With the horses from my, uh, my sister's fiftieth, uh, but that's about it. You know, I can't really remember playing there or you know any experiences. Aye, aye. They've just they've sort of struggled with the Broadwood move, haven't they? It's, it's not really what's for the moment. There's that is, is no. what they would liked. No, yeah. because I think at that time they were thinking, you know, they're going to a new town, they're going to get a new fan base. Aye, they're going to be, you know, they built that stadium. They're going to get three or four thousand people in. They threw a bit of money at various players to. To come and yeah. it didn't didn't materialise. Yeah. You know they have got that cohort of fan base. They're obviously from Rutherglen and you know all the surrounding areas who yeah. go to Clyde every week. Yeah. But I doubt it very much if there's a lot of uh, supporters go to Broadwood from Cumbernauld every week. Uh, you can probably say the same for Livingston. Yeah. You know that that's you know the thought that they're moving from Meadowbank yeah. to. Coming to Livingston, they're going to get these, you know, they're going to get a, a, a new cohort of fans. It's not really turned out that way. You're competing with the old firm as well, so it's, it's definitely. Absolutely. Um, Aye. So, why, why, you moved to Hamilton for a wee spell after that, didn't you? I did. I did. What was the thinking behind that? Well, so after my, my amazing game uh, on the telly, <laughs> where we got beat 4 1 and I got man in a match, I got freed. Right, <laughs> I got freed, Clyde freed me, right? So, again, naive, naivety for me. Alex, but all my contracts were up. Alex, but I'm saying to myself, I'm going to be a Fridgey's left. He had a sponsored car. I'm going to go up here and ask for this sponsored motor and all that. Right? I'm going to ask for this wage rise and blah, blah, blah. And I took me in, he sat me down and freed me. <laughs> Honestly, couldn't believe it. <laughs> actually couldn't believe it so I can remember driving back back in my wee uh, my, uh, my flat in Renfrew and I was almost green saying to myself what am I going to do because I'd never worked before Aye. you know that's me started 1987 had my clubs I'm now 1995 or 6 I don't know what yeah. it is no 8-9 years no knowing what to do yeah. uh, so got got my contracts out uh, got my contacts and I actually sat down and wrote a letter to and sent it to every single club in Britain. Wow. Wow. I, I, can remember, I, I can't remember the amount of clubs it was, but for the Premiership, right down to the lower leagues in England and all the clubs in Scotland, I sent every single letter to them just to make, make them aware that I was that I was free. Yeah. Uh, and the pile of letters behind the door after it with knockbacks on it was frightening. Wow. So, uh, but at the end of the day, it was just one of the things don't get. Aye, absolutely. You know, so they did have agents and stuff like that. Aye. You know, uh, so I just did it myself. But the sending the letters out, I think, I think that that alerted clubs because they were then getting into pre-season at that time and they had their squads. But I was quite fortunate 
because Murdo McCoy phoned me from Patrick Thistle. Yeah. One of their goalies, Mark Cairns, I think he got injured. Big Nicky Walker was there. I think he left. They couldn't afford to pay him. Mark Cairns was there. Me, Kevin Budanowskis and Kenny Arthur were the three yeah. goalies, but they were just young boys and they needed somebody else in. So, but between that, that, that close season, we getting freed with, with Clyde. Sandy Clark was the manager of Hamilton. And he, and you can, I don't know if you still can, but you can play three games as a trialist for yeah, a club. So uh, Hamilton Aki's phoned me and says, look, we need a goalie. You know, I think they'll give me a, a brown envelope with a couple of quid in it. Don't tell the tax man that, by the way. So anyway, it's pennies. Uh, so I played a couple of games for 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 Sandy, and and then on the Friday I got a phone call from Murdo McLeod, and he said to me, you know, we've got a month contract here, we're goalies are injured. I says, well, I'm, I'm due to play for Hamilton Ackies, which would have been my last game. So I then had to, so I was left with a dilemma. So I phoned up Sandy Clark. I says, look, I've got an opportunity here again, a wee bit longer, and that's the way it was in the days. You know what I mean? But sometimes it's month to month contracts. I mean, to, to survive through that time, you had your endowment policies and all that. You had to cash them in because you had no money, you know, to pay your mortgage. So that's how bad it was. Uh, people think uh, you play, you know, 20 years career. It wasn't like that for guys like myself, you know, lower league players. It just wasn't like that. Uh, so anyway, I spoke to Sandy and Sandy was very understanding and it was really decent of him. So he brought in the young boy for the game on Saturday and I signed for Partick Thistle. The first game we played East Fife. Ironically, and Big Lindsay was playing for these five at the time, and we beat them 6 0. And then I went on to have a, a good run, and then I signed to the end of the season for there. So again, it was just year to year contracts, you know, just trying to get yourself by, just seeing if you can get that that move that's going to kind of sort you out, you know. Yeah. But Party Official was brilliant, I loved it there. Yeah. Big club. Uh, it certainly is. It must be it must be mega stressful that though, John. I mean, going to club to club, don't know how long you're going to be there. And- like, they try to pay the bills and all that. It's, it's crazy. Unbelievable. Aye, it is. Aye, it's a real stress, yeah. you know, because I think I think there's 2% of the football population can can retire at 35, probably not even that, you know. Aye. But the majority of us have to have a wage coming in. Yeah. And if it wasn't happening, then, you know, what can you do? You know, aye. you just have to take what's there and then hopefully that you can get you know, a bigger, a bigger club or a more extended contract or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, the wee, wee couple of spells, Clyde Bank, uh, Hamilton and Morton, is that right? And then back to Hamilton again? Uh, for Thistle, we, I went, I, Ian McCall was, was at Party Thistle as a player and then he took her at Clyde Bank as the manager. But again, they, had, they were playing at, where were we playing? We were playing at Boghead with them at, at the old Dumbarton Stadium. Yeah. Hate it, right? Absolute nightmare of a place. Yeah. Uh, and we were, but I mean, he had a lot of good players at that time. Collie signed a lot of good players. Fraser Wisher, but Kenny Brannigan was playing. Yeah. Gary Teal, David Nichols. Uh, you know, it was a very good squad, and I went yeah. there, but I didn't enjoy it for some reason. Again, that was kind of like a part-time kind of setup, but it was full-time. Yeah. But it was training at strange times of the, of the day and stuff. Uh, so I think I had the opportunity, I had the opportunity to, to get out of Ireland, I think, at that time. 
I think it was. I think I had the opportunity to go to Glen Torrin. Yeah. And I went over there for the Friday. It was a the deal was was done. We spoke about you know in the days there was players going off to Scotland down to Ireland and they were getting mega dough and it was uh-huh. you know really really good good wages. And I think the deal equated to like clean sheet bonuses and stuff like that it was like fifty grand a year and that's a lot of money you know for me at that time. Uh, so the deal was was done. I just had to go on the Friday to to sign the contract on the Saturday, and then that would be me a Glen Torrin player. I went on the Friday, and the manager I can't remember his name. It was a boy who played for Northern Ireland, played right back for Northern Ireland, but I can't remember his name. Anyway, he says, "Look, there's a game we're playing Dungannon Swifts on the Saturday. Do you fancy playing?" I says, "Aye, no bother." <laughs> Shocker again. So I went out and played the game. The boy scored for two corners straight in. So we okay. did. I so I had to. Uh, so <laughs> at the end of the game, because uh, well, I think we're going to have to renegotiate that contract. I'm like, I need one, pal. See you later. <laughs> and the and the plane journey back to Glasgow Airport, forty five minutes. The days you get free baby. Ended up steaming. I got off the plane. I get picked up, and I was absolutely wrecked. Hence the. So that was me. Uh, <laughs> the Glen Torin game was bust. So <laughs> shocker, but. I went to Morton after that. I had a spell yeah. with Morton, which I really enjoyed. Peter Weir was the manager. Yeah. Uh, no, tell a lie. Billy Stark was the manager. Peter Weir was the assistant. And uh, big, big Billy was a you know really, really good, good professional. And I got the opportunity to you know to play in Celtic at Parkhead and stuff like that at that time. So that was a good, that was a good uh, experience for us as well. Loads of good players there as well. You know there was boys that had played in the the Premier League. Uh, Big Brian Reed and we Alan Mahood, Warren Hawk, you know, we Derek Collins, all these guys, really, really good professionals, and I really enjoyed it in Mon. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you played at, at Parkhead. Was there any stadiums that you love going to, uh, John, that you, you love playing at? Well, <clears throat> I was very fortunate in my career because I've got so many clubs. I, I've played at every stadium in Scotland, which is, is great. Right? You know, I, apart from the new ones, obviously, right? Like, like the. the the new St. Mern Park, etc. Uh-huh. But the older stadiums, all the stadiums, except for the new ones, I've got, you know, I've had the, the privilege to play at every stadium for there. Uh, pitches I used to love. Aye, most of them. It's probably easier to say the ones that you, that you don't like playing at. Boghead. Boghead, right. Shambles. Right? <laughs> that was just, that was the, that should have been, that, for me to say for Clyde Bank, I say to myself, you don't like the stadium, you dick. So please don't sign for it. <laughs> anyway, I never, uh, because I did my cruciate ligament at, at Bulkhead. Every single time I played at Bulkhead, something happened to me. Did my cruciate, lost a stupid goal. Uh, just, I mean, it's just a crap place to play and I hated it. So that was the worst I ever. See, you see a lot of clubs now played on the Astro and all that. Is, that's, is that something you ever, ever played on, John? And I guess you, you wouldn't have fancied that if you'd done your cruciate on. Aye. Well, I, the first Astro tough pitch was, was all still an Albion pitch. It was Anfield. That's yeah. what it was called. Yeah. And it was like, it was like the... Carpet. It was like the hockey style. Right? It was terrible. You were like a BMX... Uh, tracker when you were going out to play because you had all these pads on your knee pads your elbow pads and all that kind of stuff to play in this stuff so I hated playing on that but yeah. the new stuff the 4G when we came in I didn't really mind it Aye. to be honest I know it gets a lot of stick right and obviously it's better 
it's it's better playing in grass, right? There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But for for commercial reasons, for for uh, provincial clubs, then it's probably the way to go because they can train on it, they can play on it, they can hire it out. But for, aye, but for a personal point of view, Derek, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind playing on it. See, I meant to ask John. Um, uh, see when the, the the pass back rule came in. Uh, aye. How did you deal with that? Because I had, I had Tony Kay on a few months ago, and he says it was horrific. Shocker. Aye. Right. Shocker. Again, it was one of these rules that managers based goalies on. No, I think it was 1993, right? You're probably able to okay, uh, so correct me. So, so, the last game of the season, you could pick the ball up. And then the next game of the season, you weren't allowed to pick the ball up. Aye. So, between that time, goalies were... Goalies are coached to kick the ball two ways. One is for a, for a goal kick, yeah. and two is out your hands. Yeah. Right, So that's the way goalies are coached. But from that, to the end of that season, to the start of that season, managers were expecting you to be like Pelly with the ball at your feet. Right? <laughs> now, some of the players couldn't do it. So it was really, really unfair on goalies because goalies then got judged. The one Managers were saying, how is he? How's his handling? How's his start position? How's it crosses? How's his shot stopping? They were saying, how is he with the body's feet? And Aye. the majority is were pish. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We're absolutely so. And there was no bigger person who struggled with it was Jim Lane. Because Jim, Jim really, really struggled with the pass back rule when it first came out. Yeah. Uh, but he learned because of the top goalie that he is, he learned how to how to uh, adapt and adjust. Yeah and uh, then got capped for Scotland. But from my personal point of view, it was it was murder, because I was all left foot. You know, I couldn't kick the ball on my right. So players were, you know, they could tell if you're on the left-hand side and you're taking it in, you could then maybe make a decent pass. But there was when it came on your right-hand side, your shank hangs out the pitch and all that, you know? So for me, it wasn't a good rule to bring in. I thought, because they brought it in, fundamentally, they brought the pass-back rule in to speed the game up because there was players time wasting, not the ball back to goalie, pick it up, roll it back out. Of him, that. So it was, to, it was to speed the game up. I thought at that time, you're going to speed the game up, then one of the linesmen could stand by a stopwatch. If you're going to move for six seconds, you press the stopwatch and you've got the ball in your hands. If you've got the ball longer than six seconds in your hands, it's an indirect free kick. Aye. And that was my kind of theory behind it. But no, it's just part of the game, isn't it? That's how they do it. Oh. But I can remember the first game back. Referees didn't know the rules either. They didn't know what they were doing. There was a free yeah. kick outside the box. Big Andy Williamson, who was the, the defender at Dunfermline at the time. It was, I think we were playing Kelty Hearts or something. And he need the ball back to me. And I picked it up. And the ref's like, ah, that's fine. It clearly isn't he fine because you need to hit the thing with your foot yeah. for it to be live. So there was all that kind of, you know, discrepancies about Aye. it. And it, just, it just wasn't good. Yeah. You know, but again, everything you have to adapt, Derek. Aye, well, yeah, sweet, the sweeper keepers they call them now, don't they? There's like their, their players and, and that sort Aye. of thing. It's crazy. See, see when you went back to Aki's, was Colin Miller the manager at that time? Aye, so Colin then signed me from Morton and Colin was there and Ali Dawson, God rest his soul, Aye. he was assistant manager. Uh, again, they had a lot of real good, you know, uh, experienced players at that time. Yeah. Gary Clark, big, big meal. Uh, Kravokovic was there. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Cunnington was there. Chris Hillcoat. You know, a lot of good young players coming through as well. 
So Aki's was a good club. Again, they were skint at that time. Scott Struthers, who was the secretary, he tried his best, you know, to make sure that our wages were in in time, etc. Again, that was a, a really, you know, uh, inconsistent time because you didn't know you were getting paid one week to the yeah. other, you know. Uh, but I had a good time at Aki's. Yeah. Again, we were, we were playing, I think the big, biggest bonus I've ever won, actually, was we were playing St Mirren at Love Street. It was a Scottish Cup. One day, Pish Narain, we Junior Mendes scored 1-0 with uh, St oh, Mirren. Aye, he was. Last five minutes, uh, we had a corner, I think it was me, Gary Wales, played it out of Gary Clark, Gary Clark smashed one in the top corner, so it was one each. Well, all right, okay, 50 quid bonus or something for the draw. Uh, but in the days, the draw got made on the Saturday night, so the Scottish Cup draw then got made on the Saturday night, and the draw was Hamilton or St Martin versus Rangers. So that 50 quid you're saying to yourself, right, no, for the replay, you're saying to yourself, right, we've got Rangers in the next round, and then it came to fruition that it was going to be live on Sky. So yeah. I think the club was getting 100 grand from it. And so the bonus went from 50 quid to 1,000 for the game, for the return leg. And we played them at Fur Hill, and, uh, and we beat them 1 0, which was great. Uh, so that was the biggest bonus I've ever won, was a 1,000 quid. Yeah. Absolutely magic, and then we went and played Rangers, and we got pumped six nine. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. They had some players, <laughs> like that was other cat was in charge then when you had ridiculous and all that, and ridiculous. Aye, they had the boy Givars up front, Stephen Givars in the World Cup. <laughs> he just won the World Cup with France, and he's out cutting about for how. You know what I mean? But one time, in one meal, you had uh, you had uh, Kinchelskis on the one wing, and then you had uh, Van Bronckhorst on the other wing. You know what I mean? It's like playing on the M eight. You know what I mean? These guys are running up the hill and you're going, fucking hell, what chance you got? But, uh, and I can remember saying to Mike McCurry, he was, a, uh, he was a ref at that time. I think we were six down, 75 minutes into the game. I was like, how long ago? He said, 50 minutes. I was like, just blow the whistle, please. Just get us off this pitch, man. <laughs> Good experience, do you know what I mean? We had um, we had call, I had Colin Miller on a few weeks ago, uh, John. They said he told me he summed up what, what you said about Aki's at that time. It was tough with regards to wages and all that. But he said um, there was times he'd be driving you down to the trading and he'd be driving the bus and all that. And then if they stopped at a junction, he'd get his keys chucked at the one day and he'd have to go on the road to pick the keys up. I <laughs> know that stuff. And it was a and it was a race. It was a place called Smithycroft. I know what it is. Yeah, I used to be near it. Just outside uh, Hamel, and it was yeah. a race to see who was going to get there first. It was either us or Motherwell. So sometimes, if you were late getting to Smithycroft, then Motherwell are there. And you're like, I can hell, where are we going to train? So you find yourself training like, on the car parks and all that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly, it's unbelievable. It'll be public parks and fucking jobbies not lying about, you know, and you're, you're, you're trying to do a goalie session. By the way, I hope I can swear there. Is that all right? Absolutely, yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so, aye, that was Aki's for you. And then, of course, we, we played at Fur Hill, and that wasn't the ideal either, no. because, you know, it wasn't fair to Aki's fans at that time. Yeah. They had to travel and stuff, but aye, it was good. It was, it, it was a it was a good uh, it was a good experience, but I remember playing at Brockville, and I broke my foot. I got a compound fracture on my on my foot, and I got carried off, Gary Carpenter and the goals. And I was on Stuckey, I think it was about April. My contract was up in the May. And uh, and I got freed. And that was my last full-time club. 
but I was I was kind of gutted because I got freed injured and I had a stookie on. Yeah. So you know to get back into pre-season and uh, get you know try and prolong your full-time career was almost non-voyage going to do it. You know, so I was a wee bit I was gutted with that to be honest. Uh, but listen, it's just just one of these things. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, spells, you managed, was it Queen of the South and Dumbarton? A couple of spells Aye. there, and then and back at back at St Mirren of all teams. How did how, how did that come about? Well, <clears throat> that was my last full time club was was Hamilton, and then again it was a bit of fortune. George Rowe, who was the Queen of the South manager, they were needing a goalie. Somebody got injured. Me, Alan Kerr, who was a midfielder at that time. George Rowe was saying, "Look, we need a goalie." Kerr was like, "Well, I played with Hilliard at." Hamilton Ackies, why don't we get them in? So I signed on the Friday night in a, a pub in Paisley on the car park on the, the booties car and signed my contract for 50 quid a week to play for uh, to play for Queen of the South. So I played there for a year and it was it was a good time. Again, good, good crack. We were pish, right? Don't get me wrong. It was that year <laughs> where we struggled. And it was the year when Hamilton Ackies refused to play a game. I remember it, yeah. 2000, I think it was 2001. Yeah. And so, but before that game, the chairman at the time, a guy called Ronnie Bradford, I think, said, look, we're 14 points adrift. He says, if you, if you can catch, it was Hamilton Ackies at the time, if you can catch them, then there's a pot there. It was 14 grand or something like that to keep us in the league. Like, bother, pal. It could be 400 grand, right? There's no Aye. danger that we're going to get the points back. Get Hallam in a, go, uh, a game all season. And then Aki's refused to turn up on the Saturday to play a game. It was at Stenny. And they get yeah. deducted 14 points. Right? So we were in second bottom of the league. So the bonus then comes into play. And then I think the last two or three games, I think we, you know, I think we won one and drew one or something like that. Yeah. But Aki's got relegated and we stayed up. So we all get 900 quid. <laughs> Through default, right, for being the worst team in the league, <laughs> we'll get 1900, we'll get 900 quid, man. Absolutely brilliant. The fans were singing that, you know, the great escape tune. It was a great escape, but uh, that was a that was good. And then, yeah. uh, yeah. I probably the best thing about that was was the film that uh, I shot at Glory. So when they came, they came in the August and they and they, uh, they shot it. And you know, the beat I think the beat us in the quarter, I think the beat us four two or something like that. Yeah. And it was good, it was good playing, and that's probably the highlight of my, <laughs> my career in the South career, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and then for there, way to Dumbarton, worst uh, worst pre-season on the planet. Honestly, felt like uh, that was the swimming one I was telling you about earlier in the pool, etc. Yeah. Absolute nightmare. Again, we joined it, really enjoyed it at, at Dumbarton. <clears throat> the camaraderie in the dressing room was arguably the best that I've had the nights that we used to have and uh, with Dumbarton was was frightening it was absolutely magic yeah. and I, again <clears throat> I was there for I think it was a season and a half just under two seasons and uh, I get Tom Tom Henry phoned me I was out of favour at Dumbarton at the time Tom Henry phoned me <clears throat> Big Ludo Roy was a goalie at St Mirren yeah, and he was moving to St Johnston. They were in a hell of a state with regards to finance, and he, uh, they, he says, "Look, look, we need a goalie." I says, "Well, I've got a job. I'm, I was then started as a a, a worker in Kibble Education and Care Centre in Paisley, yeah. so I was part time. 
except I'm a full time. I says, well, I'm I'm part time, but I'm signed with Dunbarn. But anyway, Dunbarn were good enough to release me. To be fair, and uh, they released me and I signed for St Mirren on I think it was a Monday night and we played there on the Tuesday. I had to play for a few weeks, so I was a bit you know I was a bit nervous and stuff like that. And especially going back to the club that you support and, and the support that you love as a man, essentially. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. It was absolutely brilliant. Probably the best time of 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 my career, the most enjoyable time in my career. Yeah. See the, see the shot at glory stuff, uh, John. But did, um, were you? Do you mix? Were you in and about when Deval and all that was aye. hanging about? Aye, wow. aye. Honestly, it was brilliant. That was it. Was great because the boys had the night out down in Carlisle, so they were all steaming. They were steaming the night before. They were all hung over, and I was. I didn't go. And I went down to the game. And I didn't really know what they were doing. They were just, aye, they're going to be shooting this film, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't realise it was going to be Robert Duvall. You know, <laughs> so I can remember standing, me and a couple of other guys, but uh, standing talking to him and he was dead down to earth. He was absolutely yeah. brilliant, you know. So he's, uh, and it was good. It was a good game. If you actually watched that film, it's a shit film, right? Don't get me wrong. <laughs> if you actually watched the film, you see Koiste having this, Unbelievable overhead kick, and it wasn't planned. Yeah, it, it was. It was fine, and the ball get played in, and he does this overhead kick. He's in the corner, and it was. It was great that they caught it on camera. It was absolutely magic. But uh, aye, that was a that was a good time. Yeah. We had um, we had uh, Alan Lawrence and um, Big John Martin on before. They talked about aye. that, and they said aye. they ripped out a Michael Keaton's son or something was on set, and they just made an arse. Is that right? <laughs> Is aye. it really big time? Aye, because there was a couple of guys who were actors, pish at football. <laughs> so they were, right, but they were actors, obviously, so they had to be in the, they had to be in the film. But I can remember Big Jock and Wee Nipper and all these guys, we Craig McCune and all that, they were on it. But great experience for these boys. I think they get a few quid, but for doing that, actually, which was good. Yeah, it was unreal. Um, so are you, are we spell it St Mirren then, then yeah. you went there for there, was it uh, Stranraer had a, a, a season and then was it yeah. United for there? Yeah, I then I left St Mirren for there. And Tom Henry was offered me. He says, "Look, you can stay. Maybe be third choice." I've said, "No, I, no, I need to play." Aye. So I went to Stranraer, big, uh, big Billy. Oh, Christ, the name's just escaped me there. Uh, but he was a manager, signed, absolutely brilliant. Uh, we had a really, really good time at that time. The first season we played, we were we were top of the league. At, at Christmas and then we got relegated in May now Wraith Rovers went up they went up that, that season and we got relegated and between top and bottom there was 12 points Wow, that's how wow. tight the league was it was really really tight but it was a good club Ali Dawson was there as well he was a he was assistant there uh, <clears throat> but no it was good you know again they let everybody go at the end of that season and I was fortunate enough to go to Air United there with Campbell. Campbell signed me for Air United. That's kind of when my coaching kind of, you know, I, I, I was left with a, a kind of two-pronged approach. What I do here? Do I still try to play? Or yeah. do I go down the player-coach route? And I chose that route to go, you know, uh, go to Air as a player-coach. Yeah. See, before that, uh, John, you're touching Ali Dawson again there. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a tragedy. We, we've lost him just uh, a yeah. week or so ago. What was he like to... Uh, work alongside. He's an absolute gentleman. Yeah. Really, really nice guy and a very, very good coach as yeah. well. Uh, he was one of these guys that you could, 
you could be honest with, which was, you know, which is fundamentally, that's what you're looking for from yeah. not just a manager, for any human being, you know, to be honest with you. And when I was getting freed back in Hamilton Ackies, he, he was honest because I had a goalkeeper, Chris Reid, at that time, who was in contract and he just couldn't afford to keep us and he was honest about it. So, you know, since then, I've had numerous dealings with Ali. He was doing the street soccer stuff and I got him into our school to do a, a question answer session with the pupils and he was absolutely a delight to work with. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, yeah. you, you went to here and you, you done about the, the, the player coaching. Did you always fancy yeah. going into the coaching side of things, John? Yes, yes, I did. I thought that was probably the time for me to do it. I Campbell had signed Ludovic Roy and he was looking for a backup at that time, an experienced backup. So Campbell signed me for air. And again, there was loads of good players at that time. Michael O'Neill had just signed. Stevie Ferguson had just signed. So, you know, there was going to be there was going to be a a good push in the championship. Well, yeah. first division back then. Uh, but it didn't turn out that way. But I still enjoyed the coaching aspect of it, you know, and being back up to, uh, to Ludo. Uh, and Campbell gave me a lot of responsibility with regards to taking the goalkeeping and, you know, uh, trusting my judgment with regards to if, you know, how's Ludo fit? Is he fit? Is he not ready to play, etc. And he knew if if anything happened to Ludo, then he could he could rely on me to go in and play his backup. Yeah, yeah. And there you had um, you we spell it Breakin Stenhouse Muir. You yeah. still in shit as well. Breakin yeah. Breakin um, is it's the best. It's arguably the best part time club in Scotland. The people who are associated to Breakin are the absolute salt of the earth. Yeah. Brilliant people and brilliant fans. It's just, it's a wee club, a real community club with brilliant people who are surrounded, uh, you know, who are in, who are involved in the club. I was, uh, I was, I was interim manager there. I don't know if you know that, Derek, but no, no. Ian Camp, Pink Campbell, he was the he was the manager at uh, Breakin, and we were going through a bad time, and the club. Decided, him and the club decided to part their ways and they were looking for two experienced guys to be interim managers, one for the West and one for the East. So they chose myself and Paul Dees. But at that time at the club, you know, Gary Bolton was there, Jerry Britton was there, you know. So, you know, yeah. it, was a, it was a real learning curve for myself to be interim manager and also, you know, try to manage these guys who have, quite frankly, got better careers than me. So... But we did that. We did that for six games. We did all right. And then myself and Gary Bowling said, right, we'll go for the job together. We'll go for the full-time permanent job together. If he gets it, I'll be his assistant. And if I get it, he can be my assistant. So we interviewed very well. Uh, really excited about the prospect of doing it. But the club said we've got one more person to interview. And we're going to be doing that on the Monday. It was a Sunday night we get interviewed. And that person turned out to be Michael O'Neill. I remember. So that. it's an absolute no-brainer, you know. So he then came into the club, kept me as his goalie coach, and I have to say, Michael O'Neill's the best manager that I've worked with. Yeah. His uh, his approach, his philosophy of the game, you know, the way that he deals with individual players is absolutely different class. Yeah. But see, Breakin, could, could you sense he would go on? I mean, what he done at Northern Ireland was unreal. 
Uh, and of course, he's at Stoke now, so it just shows you how, how, how good a calibre coach he is. Aye, he's very, very astute. I can remember his first day when he came in, in the days, to make your wages up, you claimed expenses, yeah. but you claimed an individual journey for Glasgow to breaking. But there was five years in the motor, and everybody's claiming an individual uh, journey. So that's how folk, there's a bit of skin, right? Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But Mick, Mick came in and said that he says he, he, he's a financial advisor and he knows more about finance than he does about football. So if there's anything going on with regards to expenses, it stops now and it stopped and that was it. You know? uh, so he put his mark on it and he's, he's training and everything about him is just different class. Yeah. Um, you'd move for the wee spell. Is it Stenhouse Muir then? Uh, Stenhouse yeah, went to Stenny as well. And again, Campbell sang, Campbell sang me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, probably the worst decision ever made. <laughs> because we were playing East Fife at, uh, I call it Bayview. I think it's got new Bayview now. Anyway, we were playing there. We were nothing each at half time. And it's big Bob McCulloch, if you know him, he played at Dunfermline and he's a uh, Cumnock legend. Yeah. Anyway, he's playing sweeper. We Stevie Fergin was playing that game as well. Anyway, we end up getting beat 7 nothing. Don't know how we lost seven goals, right? In the second <laughs> half. But we but, but we lost seven goals. And Campbell didn't even come out of the dressing room, just walked up the stairs and just resigned there. And then wow. he blames me for that. So he does. That's what he does. Right? He blamed me for he blamed me for getting the bag of air and he blamed me for getting the bag at Stenny, right? He's probably right, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> What do you do? See when the manager packs it in, and like like, like at that moment, what, what I, do you think to yourself? What, what, well, on, I felt responsible. I felt I felt responsible because one, he was my mate, Aye. and two, he's a good gaffer, and he didn't deserve it. Yeah. You know, for the players to throw in the towel like that, it was an absolute disgrace. Yeah. Uh, so that was our fault, wasn't it? His, it was ours. <laughs> uh, but there's been times when when I've been at clubs when the gaffers got the sack, I've been delighted, and I'm not going to lie. Because first and foremost, you look at it from a selfish point of view. Because if you're not playing in the team, then the reason why you're not playing in the team is maybe because the gaffer doesn't rate you or whatever. So when that manager moves on, there's a kind of new slate a wee bit, you know, a kind of clean slate. So you can take it from there. Uh, So it gives you a wee bit of kind of, you know, a wee bit more motivation uh, to to kick on. Sometimes it worked for you, sometimes it didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the wee, uh, you went to St Johnston for, for a wee spell was, was Derek McInnes the manager there at that point Del, Del was a manager uh, really really good lads really good friends with Derek it was at his 50th birthday party two or three weeks ago there Yeah, carnage uh, that's, <laughs> that's all I'll say about that uh, no there I had a spell at East Stirling which I hated absolutely hated it it was the worst club but my 15 clubs oh, really? it was the worst club that I played for absolutely hated it there was a couple of individuals there at that club at that time who, I uh, better watch what I'm saying, who really weren't any nice, nice yeah. guys. Yeah. And I feel as, you know, out of 15 clubs, as I say, I've probably played with hundreds and hundreds of players. Yeah. And I think there's, I, I think there's probably two or three out of that group of players that I would say who, I, I that I don't nice. like. Yeah. Aye, aye. And there was, there was one or two at that club at that time, which I would say that about. Yeah. 
So again, I uh, I left there through mutual consent, and I went to Aloha as a player coach. And Big Nelly was a goalie. Big Craig Delson was a goalie. Was it? No, it wasn't. It was. It was. Uh, can't remember. Can't remember who it was. But anyway, I was there as a coach anyway. Uh, and Dale phoned me. Big Xander Clark was a young boy at the time at St Johnston. Wow. And they, their goalie, their reserve goalie at the time, got injured, can't remember who it was. And Big Alan Main was the first team goalie. Yeah. And Dale said to me, look, we've got 13 games left of this championship and I need somebody to just come in and just, if Alan Main gets injured, just to go in there and play. I says, well, I absolutely. So Alawa were great. I still trained with Alawa during the week. And then I went to McDermott on the Saturday and I seen out the last 13 games of the season. And again, some guy, the, some of the players there was frightening. Now, I say about Michael O'Neill being the best manager, Denny McInnes is up there for me. Oh, really? uh, just oh. with his man management style and, and how he gets on. And, and his assistant, uh, Tony Doherty, is yeah. absolutely phenomenal as well with regards to his knowledge and how he how he delivers training and his attention to fine detail. So the two of them are a brilliant partnership. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And Dell, again, he uh, they got up into the Premier League that uh, that that season. It was absolutely magic for them. And they yeah, deserved it because they were brilliant. Was Jody, was Jody Morris a player there? Jody at the Morris, time? Jody oh, Morris was there as well. So he stayed in Brookfield. I was in Linwood at the time and Dell was in uh, Dell was in Houston. So we used to travel through together. It was absolutely brilliant. We would stop off on a Saturday night and we Chinese in, in yeah. Linwood. And, uh, you know, we Jody Morris as well, buying us all Chinese. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was kind of surreal. Uh, <laughs> you know, and at that time I had my goalkeeper academy as well, uh, which I coached through here. I started it, I ran it for 10 years and coached the goalies within Renfrewshire. And I used to run a summer camp. And during that summer camp, I would I would tap into the contacts that I know, and I would get them down, get the guys down. Andy Gordon would come down, but Kenny Arthur came, we Stephen A. Smith, all these boys came came down, and they had a question and answer session with the kids. And we Jody Morris come down, and he blew me away with some of these stories that he had. And they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, some boys. It's weird. I seen um, I seen Derek on the. the what was he on? Premier Sports last night for the Rangers game. It's, it's, a, it's incredible to think he's not a manager because you're just used to him in the dugout somewhere. I know. I mean. so I know. It's weird just seeing him no, no be a club at the moment. It is, uh, but I'm pretty sure that'll not be long. Aye. I think uh, I think he'll get back into the game, probably depending on how individual teams' results go. Aye. You know, I think there will be back in the game pretty soon. Yeah. November time, probably. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. See the the when the Sunday Mail approached to write a column, yeah. John. How did that come about? Well, <clears throat> Big Jerry Britton used to do one in the in the Glasgow Herald. Yeah. Uh, Big Jerry's an intellectual, so he his column <laughs> his column was was very well written and it was very very good. Yeah. But the Sunday Mail were looking for someone who had the same kind of experience and the same kind of longevity within the game and put it into, you know, lower league terms because at that time they had Rob McLean do the column, they had Andy Walker. So they had the kind of Premier League kind of sewn up and they were looking for someone with, of the lower leagues who could maybe 
write the column. And my mate, uh, Gordon Parks, who is the, he's a journalist at the Daily Record, really good lad. So he he said to me, look, we've got this opportunity. Are you fancy it? I said, Parks, I don't even know how to turn a computer on. Are you mad? He <laughs> says, I've not got a clue. He says, just try it. He says, it's just, it's anecdotal. Have a try at it. And then, you know, he can help me do it and structure it, et cetera. And I've done it. And it was meant to be seasonal. It was only meant to be done for, you know, I don't know, that's a, it was only meant to be done for maybe two or three seasons. That's the kind of life that these things have got. Yeah. But I think eight years with it, you yeah. know, and it was pretty, I think it was pretty successful. I think people yeah. generally enjoyed the read. It wasn't a, you know, I'm telling you this or my opinion, that or whatever, you know, I wasn't talking about Celtic Rangers. Yeah. I was talking about anecdotes and just telling about stories of being in the dressing room. It was a, a cup of tea and a own sausage kind of read on a Sunday yeah. morning. And I think people appreciated that. Yeah. Have you ever thought of maybe writing a book or anything about that, John, at all? I have. I have actually, I, I can remember sitting in Tenerife a few years ago and I got a phone call for the, uh, the Sunday Mail calling me Andy. Hi, Andy, that's your contract. <laughs> went, no, I'm John. So I knew before Andy Walker, he's gone. He's gone with his <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell Andy that story, actually. Uh, so, but I was sitting in Tenerife and I says, I think I'm going to read a book. Uh, sorry, I'm going to write a book. And I thought about it, 15 chapters a club a chapter, you know, and I think I've, I've probably got it, I've probably got it my locker to do that, but it's just having the time yeah, to yeah, sit yeah. and do it, you know. I spoke to an editor who was at the Paisley Express at the time, <clears throat> and I says, look, what do you think? Is this pie in the sky? He says, look, it'll not make you a million pounds. He says, yeah. but I definitely think you've got a book in you with your stories, because the combination of the, con- uh, the columns that I'd written over the years, you know, yeah. you could amalgamate them into a book and, you know, and take it for there. Yeah. But I've, not got, I've never got around to doing it. Aye, yeah. Well, yeah, certainly, be, certainly I think it's got, got legs in it, that's for sure. Aye, aye. I was going to say as well, see, looking back in your career, uh, John, we get a lot of goalies and they've got just mad, crazy superstitions and all that. Were you one of those or did you have anything that you had to do before aye. again? Aye, I was very... Very superstitious. That's a song in there, isn't it, Stevie? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my karaoke song. In there. But, uh, <laughs> I, from a Wednesday, I used to try and train and eat everything at the same time right through to Saturday. And then on the Saturday, I would I'd do the exact same warm-up at the exact same time. I would put my left foot on before my right foot and my left glove on before my right glove. Weird, yeah. right? Absolute weird. But in your mind... I suppose, I mean, if you're a psychologist, folk would just say you're after you're nut. You know, we're doing things like that. But that's the kind of things that you would do. If you played well on a Saturday, then yeah. try and stick to the routine. And hopefully it sees you through the next couple of games. Yeah. Uh, I know there's weird superstitions with folk. No washing their shin guards. Ripping their, I mean, you look at Jack Grealish, his boots, right? It's, nice. You know what I mean? You can, yeah, well. you pull them out the bin. But he's obviously <laughs> got that kind of superstition that he can... Uh, that, that uh, that keeps him going, and I know there's loads of players like that, absolutely yeah. loads. Yeah, and you touched we touched on the uh, Isfan earlier. Is he is he Aye. is he the best player you played with? With John, is there any others up there? Aye, Isfan, Isfan. I was uh, I was unfortunate that at that time there wasn't a lot of Premier First Team games, but he's the best player without a shadow yeah. uh, to. 
probably ever play for Dunfermline and probably ever will be. Aye. Uh, that's no disrespect to any player that's played for Dunfermline. Aye. So, and I don't think anybody would uh, be offended by saying that. Yeah. But Charlie Nicholas is up there as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. he was uh, he was different class. Even though he's coming to his end of his career, uh, he was up there. And I know folk would say, you know, Paul Lambert. But when I was at St Mirren, Paul Lambert wasn't the Paul Lambert who won the European Cup. No, I know. You know, he was a young, young boy, boy at that time, albeit a very, very good player. There was no doubt about that. But Paul Lambert left St Mirren to go to Motherwell and then kicked on. Yeah. You know, so I didn't see the best of Paul Lambert when I was at St Mirren when I was a young boy. But obviously his career, you know, it speaks for itself. Yeah, see, see, you're watch, I mind watching that Champions League final, and you're seeing them in there against like Zidane and all that. It's it's crazy football sometimes, isn't it? Well, Paul Lambert's to Linwood. No, he's a year <laughs> above me in school, so I grew up in Linwood, and he grew up in Linwood. And I can remember we used to play the the, the five asides. It was the wee, you know, yeah. gangs, the five asides, and the balls ran it. And I can remember Paul playing in it, uh, and I can remember he used to pick me up when I was YTS. At St Mirren because he just stayed down the road for me and he would pick me up in his Maz Audi and take me in this old banger of a car and he would take me into Love Street and bring me back in it you know yeah. so he's for Linwood a championship you know European Cup yeah. and I'm for Linwood a Janney's boy so, <laughs> it so, so it was good to see our two careers went the same way wasn't it <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you pushed him on. And uh, absolutely. <laughs> so that leads us on. You said you're, you're working with, with, with Kibble now. You've been there for about yeah. 20 years, you were, you were saying. 20 years, yeah. I saw when I get freed at Hamilton Ackies, again, I was left in that dilemma. What am yeah. I going to do? I've never worked, never worked a day in my life because it was always full-time football. But I knew a couple of guys in there. Uh, Eric McQueen was in there. He was at St Mirren when I was there. And Big Gary Peebles, who's still there and doing very well. And... Uh, I basically asked them, look, is there anything gone? You know, uh, it seems to be that kind of sector. A lot of ex-players go into that sector, you know, to work with young people. And he says, look, I'll try and get you in. So David Asmith, who was one of the managers at that time, Stephen's dad, uh, he he interviewed me and got me in as a sessional worker. So from there, I was very, very fortunate in there because he, they, they then put me through my, I went, then went into education. I went for, from, from care into education. And they were, I, I was very fortunate that they put me through my qualification and put me through my teaching degree. So I then was a, a qualified PE teacher from yeah. there. And then I got promoted a couple of times and that's what I'm doing just now. So very, very good place to work. Really, really, you know, it, offer a great service for the young people who are there, both education and care. Yeah. So, all good. Yeah. Finally, would you see yourself joining a, a club again, John, do you think, getting back in the in the game? Well, I've been asked a couple of times. I've yeah. been asked to, you know, go to various clubs uh, as their goalie coach. And I, I would, I would, but I enjoy my part-time gig at the moment, which yeah. is working for Opta. I do that on a Saturday and I get to see most of the St Mirren games. Yeah. So that's absolutely brilliant. So I really enjoy doing that. It's a hard gig, but, you know, it's it's, it's very, very rewarding. And your senior games, I mean, through lockdown there, you know, you felt really privileged that you could actually go and watch a game of football live yeah. and still get paid for it. So I love that gig. If that was to maybe, you know... No, be there 
then if the opportunity for me to get back into coaching is, then then I would take it. Yeah. And how do you think St Mirren will get on this season? Um, they're doing quite well under Jim Goodwin, aren't they? The squad is very, very strong. I was talking to Sharpie, Lee Sharp, who's assistant manager, I was talking to him at Stennis Muir all week there. Yeah. And he quite rightly states that the the squad is probably the strongest it's been since your 87s, your 88s, when there was oh, loads yeah. of, you know, experienced uh, players chatting to go and play for their, uh, for their countries. And some yeah. of them have got that now. So, missed out on a goal last season for the top six, got to two semi-finals. People saying, well, that's a disappointment. But if you look at it, if you look at it uh, holistically, and you look at the bigger picture, then it's progress. Yeah. But, you know, so we need to kick on this season. And I'm pretty sure Jim Goodwin and, and, and Sharpie and the guys who are working behind the scenes, I'm pretty sure that that will happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're in for a good season. Well, it's yeah. been brilliant having you on, John. Thanks very much for coming on. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah. No bother, Derek. Anytime. It was an absolute pleasure. That was episode 113 of the Talking Football podcast with John Hillcoat. As ever, I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on the Talking Fitball website, talkingfitball.co.uk. We'll also find a whole load of great articles on there as well. We're on YouTube. Just search for Talking Fitball, and we're on Twitter and Facebook also at Talking underscore Fitball is our Twitter handle. If you want to sponsor the podcast, you can do just that. Just visit the Get Involved page on the website or email us at contact at DerekClarkSports.co.uk. Hope you can join me again next time, but until then, keep safe and bye for now.